Hello and welcome to the Football and Music Podcast with me, Bob. Hi and welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking to John McLone. Many of you will know him from his Western Promise days or maybe you'll know him from his current band, The Souls of Emotion. Anyway, Johnny Mac is a brilliant musician and today we'll be talking football and music. We caught up with him on a Friday afternoon and he just had some good news. A new project was being planned and he's the man himself explaining. Uh, to come up with this idea because Liverpool is a seaport and San Francisco is a seaport that we'd make an album of I think it's 12 acts from Liverpool uh, to do a cover of a Grateful Dead song on one of our own and it's all gone ahead uh, the album's coming out the 1st of August um, and there's going to be a gig to launch it in San Francisco and Liverpool as well is going to be a gig uh, so we'll be going over there to play a big launch party for it. And that's coming out with double album vinyl um, and, uh, and CD, obviously. And it's getting a big push. Rolling Stone magazine are involved with it. Going to give it a push. And, um, and uh, there's me on it. And uh, I know I know Ian McNabb, I think it's going on it. Pete Best is doing something. And Diggsy from The Sons is going to be on it. Uh, and there's a few others. Uh, I think a good band called Mexican Dogs. Some Liverpool on it as well, so so yeah, that that's all great. And then and when they asked for some of my material, um, I was sending stuff over from the new album, which ain't coming out yet for a long time yet, sadly. But um, they were really impressed with the stuff. And through that, I think it's Josh Stone, the singer Josh Stone, their um, manager did the track. And from that, Josh Stone wants to work with me and write some songs and stuff. So. Oh, you're from Rock Ferry on the other side of yeah. the water. Yeah, what's yeah. what's Rock Ferry like if you haven't been there? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, I wrote a song about it called "Rough and Tumble Down," and I think that's describes it. It's not. Uh, it's not like people tend to think, you know, that I've been over there that um, the widows all greatly. I can assure you, it's not. Rock Ferry, uh, the side that faces Liverpool, Rock Ferry, Wallasey, uh, Birkenhead, uh, Ellesmere Port. You know, um, quite uh, something. Yeah, it's the other half of the middle of all part over there. You know, <laughs> it's, um, it's been. Um, it's been run down, closed to the shipyards, and it's still open now. It's reopened and that. But the, the job losses around here were horrific under Thatcher, and we had a big heroin problem. Um, and there's still a lot, a lot of trouble uh, in these areas. But the communities are still strong, you know. Still strong. So basically, you were mentioning Thatcher and the eighties, and you know unemployment and stuff. So being a musician, did that come to you quite early? And was that like an easy choice for you to be a musician, or did you have any other things lined up for work-wise? Uh, there wasn't anything else, really. 
Alleen ik zei dus het wegreden, dat weet je niet voor hem. Voor de muziek, you know, going to work and stuff like that years ago when I was when I was still a girl. I shouldn't have been in there really, but you know, a fellow called Box said used to let me in where the bands used to let me in. And I was forever getting hailed out by Because maybe makes the best, you know. but and then we I found the punk band, you know, with Dean Copeland, um, John Crilly, um Think a bit far, but that was good fun. But uh, I seriously didn't take it till about '84, I think. We started going as Western Promise, you know, and that was good. We got a few field sessions, to loads of gigs, played with the Clash, Paul Weller, loads, you know, and um, and uh, we we later on done a tour with Joe Strummer, uh, Rock Against the Rich, and uh, yeah, and because of the environment and Thatcher and the minor strike, we were heavily involved in. Um, it come natural to write to write about what I was growing up with, you know, seeing around me. Yeah. Were you one of them kids, you know, that sort of when you were learning to play the guitar, played to your fingers bled type of thing, or was it? Yeah, yeah. pretty much so. Yeah, I still do. You still have to <laughs> practice, yeah. Well, I still practice, yeah, and then. Luckily enough, now I've got a band around me that are really good musicians. <laughs> so I just give it, as Joe Strummer says, six strings on now, and usually there's a few snaps and there's all blood all over because I do tend to get uh, put everything into the live performance, as people will tell you, you know. <laughs> I do uh, get very emotional. Yeah, yeah, I do, you know. <laughs> but did you have any musical influences in them early days, local or? Yeah, Clash were um, big influence. I got to know Joe Strummer really well. He was a mate, you know. And uh, when I was a kid, he, he saw something under his wing a bit, and then I got to know more. Played with them, which is which is fantastic the way that come about because they asked for me band, you know, because he knew I was in a band, and he hadn't forgot, you know, meeting us, and and um, and then we got invited to go on some dates for the uh, the, the Rocky the Rich so we ended up. Uh, Going the whole tour, you know, and following it round and, and playing loads of dates. It was great, you know. Mm. And I think the Clash, uh, earlier than that, I'd say, I don't know, early Springsteen, uh, Bob Marley, because I got into reggae before punk, Pete and Tosh. Uh, I was always a fan of Bob Dylan. Uh, and and uh, yeah, yeah, so they were uh, my uh, main touchstones, you know. Well, I've seen on your Western Promise Facebook page there's a picture of you and Joe Strummer from The Clash. I mean, tell us a little about that relationship you had with him. You know, it's quite obviously he's gone now, but it, it, what a fantastic musician he was. He was, um, the first time I met him was, I was still at school, and um, I think he'd seen me getting hailed out when The Clash played the night. <laughs> and then he'd seen me again, I was back in. So, and I hid in there dressing room after me while Roger Eagle was trying to find me. <laughs> and he was hiding me in there, brother, and he was laughing, you know. And it was just that funny. Um, you know, he, he, sort of, uh, he become like um, a mentor to me, really. And uh, just his dry and his spit. And then I followed him around on tour with my mate John, uh, another John Bainbridge. Um, and we'd done about 20 of the dates uh, I was uh, left school, I was signing on at the time, didn't have a job. But we were just getting by on our wits. Uh, we were hitching, bunking trains, um, and we were, you know, 
if there's any nice punk band who pulls up in each town. <laughs> you know, I can't say too much about that. And uh, quite a few times, there used to be the string at hotels called the Holiday Inn, and either Joe or Paul Simonon uh, would let us sleep on the floors of their bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it used to happen a lot. Uh, and then we'd, we'd leave in the morning, and then we'd, get, we'd make sure we'd get there for sound check for the gig the next day, and they'd all put us on the guest list, you know. Or just open the doors at the back and we'd all get in. And I must have lived like that with my ass in my pocket for no checking about. I don't know. We, we went home once to get to get our dinos and then moving away again. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, some wild tales. And, uh, and then, of course, I formed my own band. And we were doing really well. We played with the Dand already. And, uh, I think Paul Weller by that time. Um, and uh, Spear of Destinies. And we had a massive following and we were doing really well. And then Joe asked specifically the Royal Court for our band to play. Um, and that was that was brilliant at the Royal Court. It was just amazing. Um, and then we, we just sort of kept in touch then. Um, and then it's only um, Rock Against the Roots saw with him. I think that was about 88. And then I moved to London in 90. And then, as soon as I got down there, of course, um, I went and uh, found Joe, found Labrador Grove, and uh, my bird wasn't happy with that, you know, my girlfriend, <laughs> because I wouldn't come back for a couple of days. <laughs> you know, we used to have riots in a pub, uh, the, Warwick, the Warwick Castle, we used to drink it. And uh, we'd been there for days at a time, you know. It was, uh, and uh, yeah, we used to talk about everything, you know. And then I seen him um, with Carl Hunter. We went up. I got the end, lads, Bill Jones, I'm an interview with him at, at, um, at his last ever gig, which was, funnily enough, in Liverpool. And, it, and think of it now, it, it's quite emotional to think of. And then um, we had the good hug and stuff. And uh, uh, Carl Hunter took a photo, and big Mick Myers was there. Carl, uh, I think Browse, he was there, and all, if I remember rightly. Like, I think Ian. I think he got in in the in his dressing room. I think so. Yeah, he was. I'm sure he was. And um, and then that was the last time I seen him. And then I got a phone call. You know, just a month after that, that that he was that he you know that he passed away. You know. On the political side, you know, listening to your songs, you're quite political. Is that something? that's got to do with basically your background, where you're from, what you've experienced in your youth and in your early adulthood, or...? Always had an anger about uh, the way that we were treated in general by Tory governments. Um, and I wasn't much change when I was labouring, to be perfectly honest. Although it was definitely, you know, definitely better and things were improving. But we were so, so long under, under Conservative rule, all through the 80s. It, that was a terrible time. and. And uh, it was important to me that, you know, we done loads of minus benefits, um, loads of the farm and the high five, personal comp. Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it come fairly easy to write um, about the situation we were living in. Um, in fact, you know, it, it was more difficult for me to write about personal issues which I uh, very, very much used to hide away. And it wasn't until 
so four or five years ago, <coughs> uh, working with um, uh, Kieran, Kieran Bell, my mate and producer, and he, he, he was digging at me to get out and write about personal stuff. And, and um, yeah, and some of those songs now that I'm doing now, they're actually more political than the political stuff, if you, if you get me, you know. It's just not in your face as much, but it, it's all there, you know. Uh, I remember when I wrote Love Will Pull Us Through, it's like a big Phil Spector type, massive wall of sound song. And a couple of lads were saying, Love Will Pull Us Through. What's that about, you know? And I was saying, well, you can't have a revolution without love. It's, it's not close to saying, but it's true, you know. And Love Will Pull Us Through. I think that song is more political than anything else, really. And people, people just, you know what I mean? Because if you listen to the other lyrics in it, you know, they're, they're quite strong, you know. So, yeah. yeah. In fact, most of his stuff is strong. That's why I've had about three songs there, banned by the BBC. <laughs> so, you know. My reputation goes before me, you know. <laughs> John, you've um, played in some successful bands and you've uh, written some great songs. Do you think that uh, you can learn to be a musician or is that something that you've uh, got the talent for from, from birth? I think um, I struggled with my guitar for a long time and now I can play it, you know, fairly well, really good, you know, and you still learn. Um, I've learned a lot from Chris Kearney, actually, and, um, uh, and, and I do believe that there's certain acts that you can see and I can see them and I can, I can just, you know, there's certain, like, strummer addict, you know, Bob Marley addict, you know. Um, I call, you know, there's uh, Pete Tosh and, um, you know, there's, there's quite a few and, and, and but they really have it, you know, and I do think you can't, you can't sort of put that on and if you try and put that on, you know, you spot it fairly early, but I can spot it a mile off, you know, if it's forced. And I do believe that, that you'd have got something in there, you know, that, that I think it's inherent in you. You're driven. You're driven to do it. Um, whereas people will just treat it like, oh, yeah, you know, playing a band. And a lot of people think it's hip to do it. You know, they're not in it for the right reasons, I think. And uh, apart from fame or whatever else. But, you know, I mean... I'm, I've, I've been driven, driven every day. I'm driven to do it and to and to get me feelings out there and get the injustice of what's out there and and pour everything out. Because I'm writing, you know, not just about me. I'm writing about my mates. I'm writing about everyone, you know, and everything we face in everyday life, you know. And um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, there's good, there's great musicians and and. Uh, well, I said great actors, but I think uh, I think you've, you've you've got to be driven. Um, I'm willing to sacrifice that. I've sacrificed a lot in my life. I messed up certain things um, uh, because of my unwillingness to to um, you know to back down. Just so you know, yeah. So yeah, I feel it. I remember him at Nab said. Um, He's talking, and he said, "Once you got the fever in you, John, you can't give it up." You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I believe that. But uh, yeah. what, what, what does it take to, to to actually become famous? Then is it very very difficult now? Was it has it ever been easy? Uh, has that been ever ever been anything that you've been thinking about? Is that important in any way, shape, or form? Or is it more important to get your sort of message across? Times in the past, um, we started to rough trade mid eighties and had a, a hit single with a, a song called Latin Fears and. But he wanted to create um, a, a label with a with a major Jeff Travis. I was happy to stay on Rough Trade, um, and as he got offered, uh, it was Simon Potts' his name from Phonogram, uh, and he'd actually offered me, but not the band, just me. And I had a big manager at the time, and he told me, and uh, he'd offered me a six-figure fee, it was one hundred thousand pound advance. Now at that time. I was still putting the, the gas meter up on a jar to run it backwards to take money to keep your eye out. <laughs> you know, honestly, no way I can. And I turned it down, you know. And the reason I turned it down uh, was because he just wanted to sign me and not the band. Um, and I turned it down flat. I had no thought. And, uh, of course, me then wife uh, wasn't too happy when I told her when I got back in. I now, can't imagine that. Oh, she absolutely mental. Yeah. I've still got the bumps from where she hit me on the head. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. She was let me in the house for the week. I'd Cra- go back to my house. <laughs> Crazy. But that's, yeah, and, and sometimes I think about that. And we do to say, Dad, you're mad, you know, you shouldn't have given that up. Why did you? But, you know, it's one of them things. And I look at it like uh, at that time, uh, if I was taking that deal, who knows, you know. Uh, and I, I also think that I wouldn't be writing these songs now, maybe. So different roads you take. But, you know, um, things are really going well at the minute. Um, uh, and it's since I made the change from going from Western Thomas because I reformed them. Um, and and we released a great album, but you know again that old reputation to come back of you know trouble, bloody bloody blah. And so since like going under my own name now, wow, things have things have gone great, you know. But um, it's basically like I'm still playing with most of the same bands. So, <laughs> so yeah, we still party hard. The football rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester clubs makes it yes. almost impossible for anyone to play for both Liverpool and Manchester United. There's been a few, but very, 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 very few. But in the music business, it seems it's a little bit more mellowed because, you know, over the years, there's been quite a bit of, you know, friendship across that sort of little bridge between Liverpool and Manchester. And I I saw a little video on YouTube here the other day where you were on stage with Bez. And I know that the farm boys have been quite matey with the Happy Mondays and the Stone Roses has been in there and there's been quite a few other things. Why is there such a difference between the Liverpool football scene and the music scene towards Manchester and obviously the other way around as well? I think I know what you mean. Um, 
I don't know. Um, I think it started, you know, um, that uh, sort of Manchester baggy movement, you know, uh, when the farm were playing with Happy Mondays and uh, the Roses and stuff. And I think there was a bit of a crossover and people were taking ecstasy and all that. Um, and I think up till then, even that, even in the eighties, you know, the football was was the rivalry was bad. But it's, I noticed the mellowing out of it, you know, and that music brought it together. And then also then after that, you had Oasis and their friendship with the real people, uh, and Dixie, and you know, um, uh, smaller as they were known, then went on tour with Oasis. Um, and yeah, and it's just been a, a gradual bonding over the years musically, and to a certain extent, still at the football, there's, there's not that bad. I mean, you get the banter, real banter, um, and you know sometimes, you know, you get a, the odd bit of trouble. But it's it's real, uh, it's gone real friendly now between Liverpool and Manchester, and it was never like that, never, you know, not even with music and anything. It was never like that, but. It definitely has, I mean, and then since I, I played with Noel a few times when I was down in London and stuff and, and, and after and uh, I know Tom Hingsdale and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I just got a phone call there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, I think it's, uh, and I think it's good. It's great that it, it's happened like that, you know. Because I, I, I very often go over to Manchester. I know quite a few lads over there, you know. And we have a great time. It's good. And so, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Knowing the Liverpool music scene well as you do, and you know, who do we need to look out for now as when we come out of lockdown? Who are we going to come over and see? You know, which bands from Liverpool would you, apart from yourself? And, I think uh, there's, a few, there's a few really uh, good bands. There's um, Charlie Bell, um, uh, it's, it's brilliant. He's, he's just recording solo stuff now. And Charlie was playing in me uh, in my band, bassist. You know, and he's tremendously gifted. He also plays with his brother Jacob um, in a band called Fedra. Uh, a ransom for a good band. And Johnny, talking about the talent that's come out of Liverpool in the last. 50, 60 years. Why do you think there's been so many bands and artists coming out of this great city? It's something I've thought about and I can't, I can't really, uh, I can't really, uh, I don't know. It's, um, I know it started really, I think, um, when the Dockers and Sailors were going over to America in the 50s um, and bringing back uh, Rhythm and Blues records and that introduced them, I mean, and because we were a poor town, I think a lot of the country, maybe London got it uh, as well, but Liverpool was the main port with America, and that's where all the sounds were coming from, rhythm and blues, the blues, and then into rock and roll. So everyone in Liverpool was getting these records first. And I think that, I think the sailors, the merchantmen, I think all the young lads who were working there and getting into the blues and rock and roll and rhythm, that's where I think it started, and I'm not sure. I think that is is quite. Um, I don't think you can underestimate that. I think. I think that caused a lot, and then, and then obviously, the beat group started. You know, in the early '60s, and obviously the Beatles and stuff. 
And I think that was, and, I, and I'm sure that, that Lennon has said before many of that, that it was because his uncles and all that used to play these records. And, and that started them off, you know. And, and, and I think also because of the, uh, the bloodlines in the city, um, because, you know, Liverpool, like, like here in Rockbury, it's a big Irish community, second generation Irish and third generation and stuff. And I think because of that Celtic nature, also, you know, with Irish and Scots um, and Welsh, all in the Liverpool blood. I think, I think, uh, and I think that that, that Celtic uh, line obviously expressed itself in the music. I really do, and and yeah, just something that. And because uh, yeah, it's in the blood, I think, and, and I can't, I can't really explain it any other way. It's difficult Not because that's... I've been, on, you know, everywhere to other towns and places, and you just haven't got the same, you know. It's. Johnny, lockdown's come and lockdown's gone now, but um, what's been the most difficult part of this last 12, 14, 15 months? The worst thing is, is when you get your hopes up, because I haven't played live uh, with the band or solo, uh, or with Kate, who play a lot with me, and Kate the violinist and stuff, sort of uh, for smaller gigs and stuff. I haven't played since uh, February last year, live. And because I, I enjoy life so much and because I have a great rapport with with people in the crowd and stuff, and I feed off that. Um, and I, I love life. I mean, I love recording them, but live is where I really, I really let it rip. And you, you do, and to be denied that is it's just been hell. We were already lining up gigs for this year. Uh, I think um, we had some... April, May, we were looking at the play, and they've all gone, you know, gone again. And I'm not sure even if uh, the K Festival is going to go ahead. I don't think it will in the summer. Um, it's glad some real putting that on. Uh, and and then I was talking to him at that uh, just uh, the last weekend, and um, he told me he's very upset because all of his gigs have gone. And Ian gigs a lot, and I think he had a lot of gigs lined up. But what's it been like not being able to play for such a long time? It's just, it's heartbreaking, you know. The only thing I've got is what I'm doing tonight, you know. Um, just playing online, sitting here, playing, playing to people. And I pour my heart and soul into it because it's the only thing I've got, you know. But at least I know that all these people, there's a lot of people now who are going to be tuning in tonight. And they're waiting and looking forward to this. Because we have a laugh and because, you know, I, I give it what you want. And, and it's just like it's a community thing, you know. It's um, At least we've got this. But, you know, I mean, it's not good enough. I can't just carry on doing this, you know. Because oh. I want to play with Chris and Jimmy and, and Kate and Kieran. And I want to play with Andy and, and all the band. And we can't even rehearse. We can't even get in the studio all together. You know, and it's just, it's just so frustrating and all, you know. I know you're a red. Uh, when, <laughs> when did that sort of come about? You know, what's your first football memory type of thing? 
Oh, that's easy. Uh, Liverpool Leeds in the uh, in the uh, 1965 Cup final. I think it must have been. I was a baby, but I just remember. What are the answers about three or four? But I remember the uh, the whole house in red and, and all the family round and watching this old black and white telly and Liverpool winning the game. You know, uh, and then I think I went to my first game when I was about eight, something like that, seven. Um, and that was against, uh, I think it was Victorious Jubal. And then we played some talk and we beat them 10-0. I can remember Roger Rump, I'm not old. I can remember watching Roger Rump playing in St. John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great, man. And then it was when the cough was loud. I mean, that was loud. And uh, and also the 70s, you know, we had a great team there with Shankly's team and the great you know, Bob Paisley. Uh, and to be in the cop in those days, you know, you're talking, you're talking twenty-eight to thirty thousand people on that one huge bank, um, because obviously, you know, the gate man would let a few of you in, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, mate. If we give you this much, yeah, jump over, lad. <laughs> so you were like, and you, were, you know, you started off. You'd always have to have a spec, and we had a spec, but by by our time, you'd all be separated because whenever even we had a corner, everyone would just go tumbling down the steps and they'd all go back up again. <laughs> it was like a I remember once I lost my coat, it just come off with the <laughs> Never found it again. But, you know, the, the power, I remember being struck, uh, just the power of being involved in that and listening. And everyone used to sing, everyone. So you'd imagine, you think it sounds loud now, but back in them days, you're talking about 20-odd thousand people all singing. It was, a, it was a tremendous racket, and it sent shivers right up the way of your neck, you know. I mean, it put the fear of God into the most of things, you know. Yeah, it really did. You really are Liverpool 12 man like. But Johnny, living so close to Prenton Park, you haven't got any Tranmere tops now. Tranmere tops? <laughs> well, funnily enough, when we were at school, Sammy used to play on a Friday night. And uh, we used to all follow Liverpool. I used to go home and away in them days. Jesus, we used to bump the trains again. Like everything, this is a caring team, innit? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're never getting caught and fined for them. But on the Friday night, because we were football mad, we used to go to Brenton Park and watch them on the Friday night games and support Sammy, you know. When we were at school, there used to be about 20 of us used to go and we'd be in the cow shed and Ronnie Moore was playing. And they had a really good team then, actually, Sammy. The outside division, as it was. Yeah, and then um, I, I, I keep an eye open for them. But Ian, Ian would probably disagree with me because he's a big Sammy fan. But back then... They were a good team and then they come good again under John Aldridge uh, and Johnny King. But then for the last 20-odd years, oh, they've been very poor, you know. I mean, to be honest with you, when we used to play football uh, in our pub teams, like and, and the lads used to play in the lessons and stuff like that, honestly, to, to look at Chami and I, I went to one game and I left about after 20 minutes. It was that poor. I don't think after that Chami team now, 
would get in our Sunday league side, honestly. Mm. Yeah, I'll wait to see Prowsey's reaction. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see to be continued. <laughs> no, but a little bit coming back to following Liverpool home and away in the when was this then? 70s, early 80s, or even yeah, 70s, yeah, 70s to uh, I followed Liverpool from um, from around 71, 72 regularly. Obviously, but I started going regular, it was about 11, 12, and followed them till about the mid 80s. And I reckon I've seen the best sides ever. You know, in those days, when football was football, when you used to tackle, you know, and a tackle was a tackle, and no one would be rolling round. I mean, there was no VAR, there was no uh, seats, you know, apart from the stands. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a whole different era. And, and those footballers he played week in, week out, with no complaints, no nothing, and gave everything. And now you can't have a you can't you, you wouldn't get a, a team the same twice on the run. Oh, I'm a bit oh I'm a bit tired. Are you really? You know, I, I just say I've got no time for the modern football. I still follow Liverpool. I watched them last night and stuff. And you know, and I still I still love the club and that. But but um, it's it's not the same as those seventies and eighties teams, you know. And the people following it, um, still a hardcore working class people and stuff to follow it but a lot of us have been priced out of it can't even afford to go and uh, and you can't get a ticket when you can you know luckily I've been to the last couple of games because Chelsea uh, Chelsea Grimes who's my little buddy and we write songs and that together we have a laugh she's, she's uh, involved in the bill so she can get me a ticket but other than that to try and get a ticket to Liverpool you must know yourself Fardy Bloody hard, mate. You know, because I, I haven't got a season ticket, um, and and it's about a five year, six year, seven year wait to get a season ticket now. Um, but when I do go, you know, the old uh, the old blood bus comes back. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I start singing the old songs from years ago, and they're all looking at me going, "What the is he singing there?" You know. Who's that coming up? You know, all these old songs. It all comes back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. How can people get hold of your music now? Um, but the, the album, uh, the Western Promise album is available on Cherry Red, and the best of Western Promise is available, and the first album is available. All three albums are available on Cherry Red. Uh, in vinyl and CD and download off them and also um, I will be uh, our new album uh, we'll, we'll, I'll have my new album ready but what's happened there is we were going to put it out last year obviously it's been put back and I've got about uh, just under 30 songs now I keep writing new ones and we keep doing the demos and recording me and Kim uh, we're waiting to get back into the studio with the full band to record a couple of tunes to finish the album. Uh, but the album, hopefully, I'm not sure at this moment in time because um, this is going to be my first actual solo album um, uh, after bloody so <laughs> many years. But uh, uh, I think there's, there's going to be something on the table, like uh, a good deal. So I've been told. Uh, not to release it and to hold it back for now. Listen, John, thanks for talking to us. Hope you've enjoyed it.
but it's been good, you know, it's been good. And um, it's funny talking about the football and talking about that. It brings it back to you, you know. Well, thanks for talking to me and uh, I'd like to wish you all the best for the rest of 2021 and uh, good luck with the album and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, bud. Thanks for listening. That was the fantastic John McGlone. See you all very soon at this um, podcast channel. Take care. Ta-ra. <laughs>